you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, this is where we're going to talk about life, loving, laughing, working with joy. Hey, all those things need to fit together. You know, if you think that we just put on our work hat, go off to the salt mines every day, make a paycheck, and then come home and be some other person, that's a pretty tough plan. Nobody does that well. We want to have integration. We want to have your work be your best plan for living out your calling, your purpose, your destiny. The best way to leave a legacy behind is what we do Monday through Friday, what we do in our work. Now, the weekends are certainly important, but they ought to be integrated so that the weekend is just like taking a deep breath, perhaps, but it's part of a natural process of inhaling and exhaling so that our work is that integral, meaningful, purposeful, and profitable part of our lives. Well, there's a lot of ways to do that today. You know, as the workplace continues to change, continues to be extremely volatile, more and more people are scratching their heads and saying, you know what, I need to look at more opportunities than just how can I get a traditional J-O-B? How can I find some place where they're going to guarantee me 40 hours a week and pay me for that, provide my medical care? I mean, that's a diminishing model. Nothing wrong with that. It'll be around forever. But it's a diminishing model, and if you really want to see the broad spectrum of opportunities, you have to look beyond what the traditional jobs offer. Well, we're going to spend the next 48 minutes looking at the kind of real questions that people just like you and me have out there and answering those, how we can perhaps get a fresh look at evaluating new and broader opportunities. The questions I get each week are better than the ones I could dream up if I just had to dream up questions to explore. So let's get right into those. Here's some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Dan, I've been struggling with feeling super depressed, truly losing hope at times. Somebody asked, Dan, what products do you have on the horizon? Here's another one. My wife comes from wealth. She wants the security another J-O-B supposedly provides. I don't. However, blah, blah, blah. Dan, there's this guy named Anthony Simone who does a web promotion for foreclosure cleanouts. Is he a scammer? Good question. I'm going to broaden that out a little bit. Talk about, you know, how we recognize scams and how we recognize real opportunities. Here's an interesting one. Somebody says, Dan, uh, Dan the more I follow your and Dave Ramsey's teachings, the fewer friends I have. <laughs> uh, I love it. We'll, we'll get to that one for sure. And do you believe there are personality types that never get 100% clarification on their purpose or calling? Well, wonderful questions. We got some things coming up here at the sanctuary, as you probably are well aware. As I record this tomorrow, we will have another full house here for our Coaching with Excellence event. These are people who are saying, I want to be a coach. I want to take my expertise, whether it's in business or in career or life planning, or spiritual direction, or sports, or parenting, or marriage, whatever it is, if you've got an area of expertise and you want to leverage that and be a coach, as you should know, that's a really hot vocational opportunity these days to be a coach, to take your area of expertise and then encourage other people to levels of excellence in that. So um, I'm excited about that. 
got some new material. Keep expanding the material. We'll probably expand the time that we have people here as we go into next year as well. But a great opportunity. You know, we know that 85% of coaches never make more than $40,000 a year. Well, we know that, but then the question simply becomes, how do you put yourself in that 15% who make way more than that? If you want to make $100,000 a year, that should not be difficult if you are a coach and know what you're doing. But, so we go through those kind of things, how to leverage your expertise so that you position yourself as a profitable coach. And of course, we've got the right to the bank events coming up a couple more times this year. Those will be later in the year in August, September. I know we got a lot of people already scheduled for those. If you want to get in before we close those out like they always do, make sure you check that out. Well, here's a quotation for us. It's more just kind of a synopsis of a story, but it's one that you've probably heard before, but bears repeating. A Native American elder once described his own inner struggles in this manner. Inside of me, there are two dogs. One of the dogs is mean and evil. The other dog is good. The mean dog fights the good dog all the time. When asked which dog wins, he reflected for a moment and replied, the one I feed the most. Well, I think we all can identify with that, knowing that we have those push-pull challenges within each of us. Hey, feed the good dog. Sometimes I get criticized about uh, seeing the sunny side too much. You know, even the fact that I say, you know, I carry my sunshine inside me. So if it's a gloomy day outside, it doesn't mean I need to be gloomy. If I'm just a reflection of circumstances, whether that be weather or just the situation around me, then I'm really vulnerable to ups and downs and hope for a good day now and then. I don't want to live like that. And I know you don't either. So, yes, I choose to feed the good dog, to see the good side of things, to expect positive things to happen, even if the economy is bad and the wrong person is in political power where you live or whatever it happens to be. Don't get caught up in seeing those things as determining what kind of future you're going to have. Now, here's a question. This comes from Bob, and I did a blog about this, but here was his question, and I'll, and I'll leave out some of the specifics, but he says, I've been struggling with feeling super depressed. I've been doing everything Dan teaches in his book, and I'm diligently putting my name out there in the process. However, I'm truly losing hope at times. I'm sure this would not be as hard had my wife and I not faced all the terrible hardships we have in the last two and a half years. I'm losing stamina. The job search attacks my self-esteem in huge ways, and I simply feel God won't bless me or help me. I find it hard to be around successful and wealthy people, which includes most of my family. Family gatherings are very difficult. I'm pleading for your daily prayers. Number one, pray I do not lose hope. Two, I sense God. And three, that he brings me to the right place of employment. Well, I wrote back to Bob and I, I shared this in a blog. And incidentally, I want to just clarify something here that uh, comes up once in a while where I will do a blog. Now, when I do questions, here in the podcast, I give the real name of the person who asked the question. No big deal. And everybody understands that. I do that. But when I put it in print, so it's a little more permanent out there, I put it in a blog. I always change the details so you'd never know who the person actually is. Now, most people don't care. And, and often when I write a blog about a particular situation and I say, you know, Chuck says, blah, 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 somebody will come in and comment and say, hey, I'm this guy. I'm this guy, you know, and tell me you can communicate with me directly. It always surprises me when that happens, when it's a pretty 
poignant, vulnerable kind of life situation. But people do that. But I really protect the privacy of people. And when I put a blog out there, I'm always going to change the name, the town, the circumstances. So it's kind of a compilation question. I just, I just somehow felt like I needed to clarify that because sometimes people will write me and say, Ooh, you know, Susie that you talked about, you know, Susie is in the next cubicle to me. You know, I've known her for a long time. Well, no, you don't because it's not Susie at all. It's somebody totally different. I've changed the, changed the details on that enough that it's probably somebody who lives in another state or on the other side of the world. But anyway, Bob is discouraged, super depressed, losing hope, talks about that. I wrote back, Bob, I know not getting the results you want can be discouraging, but don't let your work be the only source of your self-esteem. Make sure you're making deposits of success in physical, personal development, spiritual and relationship areas as well. Being strong in those areas will make you a more attractive job candidate. We all tend to be pretty transparent in how we're feeling about ourselves. So you don't want to let low self-esteem sabotage your presentations for work. And also, don't overlook creative ways to put legs in your skills. A 40-hour job may be just one of many possibilities, and some of those may not require that someone offer you a J-O-B. And yes, we'll pray with you that your best God-given talents will shine through. So anyway, I mean, just, uh, you know, I think it's a good general encouragement. I know that when somebody is without a job, if you're without a job or struggling to find something, it's like a pin in a balloon. Even though we have other components of our life, all of our energy is sucked out in that one area. Or it, it kind of reminds me of what Shakespeare once said, a man with a toothache cannot be in love. Well, you kind of get the image there. I mean, you know what happens when you have a toothache. All of your focus, all of your energy, all of your thinking is focused on that tooth. Yeah, you know, it's hard to, you know, go out on a romantic evening if you got a toothache. And being without a job can be like that as well. But don't overlook the success that you have in other areas of your life. Increase making deposits of success in some of those areas of your life. Maybe a great time to volunteer or spend more time with your kids or talk to the neighbors. I mean, those are all legitimate things to make deposits of success in personal development areas. Rob says, Dan, what products do you have on the horizon? I can hardly wait for a new book or audio program from you. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, Rob. I've got a whole host of things that are coming out this year. Uh, you may have heard me mention my goal this year, 2011, is to release one product a month. Now, I know that's pretty aggressive, but I'm ahead of schedule on that and intend to continue that. Not really a problem. Here's why it's not really a problem. If I had, if I sat down just with a blank piece of paper or blank computer screen and said, I'm going to produce a product a month that would be challenging but I have been blogging for probably five years now I've been writing a newsletter for 11 years I've been doing this podcast or radio show for over 10 years so I have tons and tons and tons of, of content out there that's already created so creating a new physical product or a real product of some kind is never a matter of just starting from scratch. It's usually a matter of compiling content that I already have. That's why I encourage you, I encourage so many people to do a blog, 
just start blogging. It's it's like journaling, but you can formalize a little more than that. And every time you blog, you're creating content. So if you want to do an audio program, or if you want to do an instructional manual, if you want to do an ebook or a manifesto or a traditional book, you've got a lot of content already there, already created, and you draw from that rather than starting flat-footed. Now, here are some of the things that I've got in the works. I've got a book proposal out at the publishers right now. And I'm just evaluating offers that I'm getting in from publishers. The title of that is Wisdom Meets Passion. Now that I'm doing with my son, Jared, who's 33, and we're looking at the different generational approaches to work. My generation and his generation approach work much differently. But in Wisdom Meets Passion, I've got arrows in between that go both ways. There's wisdom in the older generation. There's wisdom in the younger generation. There's passion in the younger generation, there's passion in the older generation. So it goes both ways and we can learn from each other as we evaluate again these changing things out there. I've got a project on in the works called the Prodigy Son. Now we all know about the prodigal son. What if there were another son in that family besides the prodigal son and the elder son? but the prodigy son, someone who really figured it out and did it right. So I've got some ideas and I've gotten some really positive feedback from publishers about that. I have a book that I purchased rights to a couple years ago called The Little Book of Big Ideas. It went out, the publishing company went out of business. So I bought the rights to the book and I'm gonna be just doing subtle updates to that revisions, a new cover design, and be releasing that. It's a book on creativity. It's one of these little, you know, you put it in a bathroom and pick it up and read a couple pages. It's not put together with chapters. It's just hundreds of little tidbits on how to release your creativity. And I'm excited about getting that going. The Rudder of the Day number two. Now, the Rudder of the Day number one is out there. Uh, we sell tons of those. And that is a compilation of newsletter articles that I did. So I pulled together 91 newsletter articles connected a little biblical of scripture to go with that and then a action plan for the day. That's what that was. How long do you think it would take me to put together the rudder of the two? Because six years have passed since I did rudder of the day number one. And all I need to do is go back and scan through the best blogs, newsletter articles or whatever and pull that together. I mean, that's not a big deal. Now, I won't go through all of these, but we've got uh, the 48 Days Workbook revision and update that's completed. Right to the Bank revision that's completed. Uh, creating your own mastermind group. I'm about halfway through that. A lot of people ask about the group that I have on Wednesday morning, have had for years. Dave Ramsey and I started that about 10 years ago, and people ask about that. So I'm putting together information that goes through historical examples of mastermind groups. Ben Franklin, Henry Ford, Andrew Carnegie, all successful people were part of mastermind groups. And I'm putting together some information to make it a little easier to follow. So you can go ahead and start your own. I mean, people ask me every week, Gee, Dan, can I be in your Wednesday morning group? No, you can't. If we went from 12 guys to 200, it changed the dynamics dramatically. It wouldn't be the same kind of group. So you can't be in mine, but I encourage you to start your own. And lots of people have. Well, those, those are the kind of things. I mean, the 48 low-cost business ideas is another one that we're going to do in a more polished form. So it'll be sold as a product. It's available right now as a free PDF. Most of the things that I develop as new products, I test 
first. I test them as free content to see if people are really interested. It's not like I write behind the scenes in some secluded corner and I have this secret and then I'm going to release, you know, the, the seven tips for the secret of, nah, I just get it out there. I test material on you, the readers and listeners all the time, get feedback, refine it, make it better. And then we develop products where we see there really is a great response or a hot spot. 48 days for the recent inmate is one that I'm working on. We know that people who have just gotten out of prison or jail have some amazing obstacles to overcome. So I'm writing 48 days for the recent inmate. It won't be a complete book. It'll be a little addendum. It'll be maybe 70 or 80 pages, taking the principles of 48 days, but adapting them specifically to those who have just gotten out of prison. For This I Love You, that's a little book that uh, Joanna and I have done, and that one is completed. Um, Why Are You and Who Are You You Here? That's already completed. So a lot of these things I've already gotten out there, we have those available in various forms. Again, some physical, some as audio programs, and we're just cranking out product every day. But thanks for your question, Rob. Well, Andy says, you may want to look at the book called One Simple Idea by Stephen Key. He shows how companies pay him for his idea, and he's done it many times. I'm working on some ideas myself, thanks to your inspiration from you and from his system. Thanks. Well, I, I appreciate the, the recommendation of new books. I did go look at one simple idea. I've heard of it before, but I've not purchased it, but I did today. Based on your recommendation, I, Andy, I did go jump on Amazon, purchase a book, that's the way I check out things that you all recommend. I just buy the book. I don't hesitate at all. I have books delivered from Amazon almost every single day. Um, I, I love to read, as you know, and that's where I continue to expand uh, my repertoire, repertoire of things that I can talk about on here. That's where I check out new ideas, what's happening out there to keep my finger on the pulse of how we can take advantage of the changes that are going on in the workplace. But I'm a prime member with Amazon means that I pay a month or an annual fee. I think it's like 60 or 70 bucks. But anyway, an annual fee. And then I get second day priority shipment of any book that I order no shipping cost, no tax. That's pretty attractive. So if a book is 12 bucks, it's just 12 bucks right in my hands, usually the next day. So I order lots of books. I don't go to the library and try to find it. I don't borrow a copy from anybody. I just buy it. It's just part of what I do. I don't fish, golf, bowl, but I don't hesitate to buy books. Just happens to be my hobby and I get lots of them. So thanks for the information. I've got one simple idea by Stephen Key on its way to me now. T says, Dan, thanks for all you do. My wife comes from wealth. She wants the security another J-O-B supposedly provides. I don't, however, I don't. However, I understand her concerns based on her family history. What are some ways I can help her see the bigger picture of what we stand to lose in my getting another job in relation to career and vocation. Wow, T, that's a tough, tough kind of issue. But here's what you have to do. Don't just burn the bridge in having a traditional job. Create a transition where your success outside the job supersedes your success in the job. 
Let me give you an example of that. If you're working a job and they're paying you $65,000 a year, keep that job, but develop something on the side. If that's coaching, you can do that. If it's doing a workshop, you can do that. If it's um, selling aviation memorabilia and gadgets and trinkets on eBay, do that. I mean, you can do all of those outside of a traditional job, build your model and build your success. And then when you're creating more than 65,000, so roughly, let's say I just pulled that out of the habit. So you need to generate $5,000 a month in your sideline job. What if you get to the point where you're generating $6,000 a year, I mean a month in your sideline job? Would that get your wife's attention where she may then give you her support for moving into that full time if you're able to do that part time. And what I just described there is not an unrealistic model. See, where I hear from wives who are rightfully terrified is when somebody says, well, I'm just going to do what that dude Dan Miller talks about. You know, screw this job. I'm out of here. I'm going to figure something out. And six months later, you know, they're bankrupt. Well, you don't hear me recommending that. Create a transition plan that's clear. And again, success breeds success and success is the sweetest revenge and success will get the support of people around you who were second guessing you when you started talking about your wild ideas. So put legs in your idea, get some success there, and then you won't have people asking you questions. I mean, my own wife, Joanne, I mean, would she have preferred early on in our marriage that I just had a traditional job? Yes, absolutely. She never really understood my disdain for jobs and my desire to just go out here and do something, no guarantees, no predictability at all, just kind of figure it out. Well, we've been married a very long time. I mean, talk to her now. Does she have any desire for me to go get a job? Zero, zero. Now she's wired in a way that she would be very comfortable with that and would have never questioned if I had just gotten a job at General Motors and worked there for 30 years. But at this point, the flexibility that we have to come and go, I mean, today, this morning, she said, you know what? She said, I've got cleaning people coming. We've got guests in and out of our house right now. She said, boy, I'd like to just disappear this afternoon. She said, could we just go to lunch together and just spend the afternoon downtown Franklin, just walking through the shops, you know, maybe taking a matinee movie. I said, sure, absolutely. I said, let me do my podcast. I said, the podcast, I want to get that out, get that on the books this morning. I said, other than that, there's nothing that I have to do this afternoon. We can do that. So that's what our plan is. Now, does she want to give that up with the security of a traditional job, knowing that I'm not going to be available during the day? We can't just decide in a spirit of a moment to go on a cruise or to go see our grandkids in Colorado or to, well, I'm, I mean, I, I suppose it's no secret. I mean, the income that I have at this point, I mean, it would be pretty difficult to put that together in a job. I mean, with the multiple streams of income that you hear me talk about, I mean, there's also income coming from those. It would be pretty unrealistic to expect in any job. Now, I have a master's degree in psychology. Certainly, I could get a job as a counselor, or be on staff somewhere at a facility, or I could be on, on faculty at a university. But those things are not going to produce significant income. Now, back to your question just briefly here, T, and that is, I wrote a blog on this this week, and if you check my blog for March the 12th, it was titled, Would You Do This for $50 an Hour? I was 
just noting a couple things from T. Harb Ecker's book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I was scanning back through, as I often do, books that I've read previously, and I just go to the pages where I put a little post-it note tab, look at what got my attention. Here's one of the things that jumped out at me in that book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, when I read it back in 2005. T. Harv says, there's nothing wrong with getting a steady paycheck unless it interferes with your ability to earn what you're worth. There's the rub. It usually does. Now, T. Harv goes on to say that poor people prefer to be paid a steady salary or hourly wage. They need the security of knowing that exactly the same amount of money is coming in at exactly the same time each week. What they don't realize is that this security comes with a price and that the price is this. If you choose to get paid for your time, you pretty much kill your chances for wealth. Poor people trade their time for money. Rich people prefer to get paid on the results they produce. They work in commission or get a percentage of revenues. Many choose to own their own business in some form. As soon as you agree to be paid on results rather than time, you remove the ceiling to your income. Now, I would encourage you to have your wife read some materials that talk about that. Have her try to understand what really happens when you are going to get paid for just your time. Now, here's another thing that'll happen. This is inevitable. Listen to John Lennon. People say I'm crazy. playing the game I like <laughs> I like the comments that question what I'm doing I mean playing the game is not exciting to me I mean Joanna and I've had a lot of conversations just recently about this again the kind of paths that our lives have taken and my attraction my affinity to my draw to i mean i'm like a moth in the light when it comes to trying new things and i know not everybody's wired the same way and again be true to yourself i mean there you don't have to violate that but if you have the desire to do something non-traditional and creative and you have the ability and you can create a plan, then you're going to, at some point, regret the fact if you don't act on that. I'll just leave it at that. Whatever that means for you, move in that direction. 
Well, here, let me go on. John says, John from Raleigh, North Carolina. Hi, Dan. I made a lateral move in my company in January as a result of networking and discovering other interests. However, I'd like to work for myself one day and I'm reading 48 days to discover or confirm my true calling. Is it relevant for me to start contacting companies as you suggest on day 21? Love the book. Well, John, I'm, I'm a little confused because on day 21, I talk about starting to contact companies as part of a job search to start exploring your opportunities for another job. So if you are looking for any other job, you're looking for a lateral move, not just in inside the company you're with now, but perhaps looking for another job in this path, then that's fine. But you say you want to work for yourself one day. The question then becomes, when is that day? If you want to work for yourself 10 years from now and you aren't real thrilled about what you're doing now, yes, absolutely. Start contacting other companies, do a job search and get another job. If you want to start working for another company or you want to be in your own business, doing something on your own three years from now, then it changes dramatically. Does it make sense for you to do a job search, take another position where there ought to be a two to three year kind of implied commitment that you're going to be there as a more reasonable vehicle to get you there? Or would it make most sense to just stay with the job that you have now since you're familiar with it? There's not a new learning curve. And you can kind of go ahead and start developing what you would do on your own and creating this transition. If you want to be doing something on your own 18 months from now, then absolutely do not do a job search for another job. Stay with what you're doing. Use that as a transition. And when you get clear in what you are going to do on your own, you may be able to speed up the time frame. So rather than 18 months, it's six months. So that the, the, the challenge is always get clear on what the end goal is. Once you're clear on the end goal, then it just becomes a matter of how much time will it take you to make that a reality. If it's five years, yeah, you may have a couple more jobs in the interim. If it's three years, eh, it gets a little cloudier. If you want to be there a year from now, boy, just ramp up the time frame. see how quickly you could get it up and going and make your transition. Incidentally, there's nothing deceptive or misrepresentative about building your own business on the side while you're working for another company. I mean, the old days of a company thinking that they own you lock, stock and barrel 100% your entire life. I mean, those days are over. I mean, companies realize that if your work agreement is that they get 40 hours of good work from you, then fine, that's that's reasonable. So give them 40 hours of great work. We have 168 hours in a given week. You can determine what you're going to do with the other 128 hours. That's not unreasonable. That's not unfair. Now, if you're spending two hours a day at work, you know, working on your website, your personal website or scanning the internet for vendors and things, yes, that's deceptive. That is not a reasonable agreement at all. You're stealing from the company and dishonoring the agreement that you have with them. So I'm not recommending that when I talk about transitions. I'm not talking about all of a sudden you're only giving the company seven good hours of work a day and then six and then five. No, that's not a transition. You give them eight hours of great work to the day you walk out the door. Dan, my name is Brad in New Orleans. I was wondering about your thoughts on World Ventures. Not sure if you've heard of it. I want to know what you think about it. 
Uh, thanks for your book books. Hopefully this will get an answer. World Ventures. Well, World Ventures, yeah, I'm familiar with it. It's a travel company. It's set up as a network marketing company. So the way it works is you can pay, I think it's about $250 and then maybe like $40 a month to be a, a member. And as a member, then you get access to travel packages that they negotiate and put together. They're going to be better deals than what you could just get on the open market or in a Travelocity search. And then they have an opportunity for you to be a distributor where you pay probably about the same kind of thing, maybe a couple hundred bucks to be a distributor at a $40 a month thing. So now you're a distributor and you can introduce this to other people and then you get a percentage of what they generate, what they buy, what they tell about and so on. No secret about how it's set up. Now, what do I think? It's a very legitimate setup. Now, are it's like any network marketing company. It's not for everybody. What you have to look at is, is this a good fit for you? Now, either as a consumer or as a distributor, where you're going to try to make money off the business. Now, you can be a a member of this. I mean, it's like being a member of Costco, I suppose. We are members of Costco. So we pay an annual fee to be a member. So we go in there and get the great deals that they have. And I think it's a great membership. We love Costco, love the benefits we get as being part of that. Now, that is not an opportunity for me to, I mean, I tell other people about Costco all the time, but I don't get a referral fee because I tell people about Costco and they go there. This is set up so that you do get that referral fee. It's not, you know, it's not a scam. It's not illegal. It just is what it is. If the business appeals to you, then do it and have fun. I mean, if you want to just travel and get the benefit of their things, I mean, it's not a big risk. I mean, my gosh, with a couple hundred bucks up front and then $40 a month, if you go on one vacation package and it saves you $800, you know, you're good if you never use it again. So you can decide on that, but you really want to look at, is it a good fit for you? Is travel something that you're really excited about that you would want to share with other people? If so, do it, have fun. You know, here, here's another question. Now, let me throw this one in here, too. This one comes from Mark, who says, there's this guy named Anthony Simone who does a web promotion for foreclosure closeouts, cleanouts, foreclosure cleanouts. Is he a scammer? Now, here's what Anthony Simone is doing. He shows you how to go into foreclosures, how to get with real estate companies, banks, mortgage companies, and you promote your services for doing a cleanup. Now, so if you go in and you, you do a cleanup in a foreclosure, chances are the place was left in a state of disarray. That's usually the case. There, a lot of foreclosures were in process of being remodeled or even being built out. So you may walk in and there's 15 sheets of, of drywall there and there's a whole order of hardwood flooring that never got put down and there's um, exercise equipment that didn't get taken. All of those things have salvage value. So for you to get paid to go in and do the clean out, you may not only get paid, but you can make money on the material that you're cleaning up. I mean, you may have some trashy people and they have been throwing aluminum cans in a corner for three years and you can get 200 bucks in recycling the aluminum cans. That's what this is. Now, this is a, a system where he promotes this. You get his information about how to do this well and come right out of the gate doing it well for $297. Now, here's the deal. Is this a scam? 
Absolutely not. It's a business opportunity. The question still comes back to, is this a good fit for you? Is this something that you've been thinking about? Maybe that you've had a little experience in. To me, you know, to spend 300 bucks on how to learn to do it well is not an unreasonable investment at all. I would encourage anybody who's interested in doing this to go ahead and spend the money. Now, am I going to do it? No, I'm not interested in that business. So, but this is like, if there's somebody, if I put together a little business opportunity and it says, we had some friends over the other night who were talking about the fact that they collect dandelions and they make dandelion salad, dandelion wine. So what if they put together a little book, a little how-to, and it's $39 on you know, how to make money picking dandelions. Well, if you live in Alaska and you buy that and dandelions don't grow in Alaska, you can come back and say, oh man, that was a scam. It didn't work for me. Well, no, it's not a scam. It wasn't a good application for you. But to me, the idea of purchasing little business opportunities like this and plans. I mean, I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on things like this. Now, did every single one of them make me rich? No, but it's part of the learning process. And to me, see, this is where it gets kind of uh, hard to understand. People will go down here to Vanderbilt University or Belmont or Trevecca or Lipscomb or whatever. We have tons of universities around here. I mean, they'll pay $1,000 for a class. And they'll sit there in a class and learn about the economic changes in what was formerly Russia. And they'll think nothing about that. And they'll come out with not an absolute chance in the world that anything they learn in there is going to change their finances in any way. And they think, well, that's just part of education. That's what education is. Well, what if you spent that $1,000 and you got three little business opportunity guides and two of them really weren't a good fit for you and one you figured out a way to make another $100,000 next year. I mean, that, to, to me, that's educational money spent well. So don't begrudge the fact that you sp- spend something for how-to and you didn't knock it out of the park. Just go on. Consider it part of your education. Just go on from there, and maybe the next one will be the one that works for you. But be careful about this. Oh, it's a scam. No, it's not a scam. It's, it's somebody's idea about how to make money that worked for them. You have to determine whether or not it's going to work for you. Well, good question. I, I love dealing with those. And again, those are the things I've, I've, I've gone through tons of those. I, mean, I have... CD program sitting on my shelves that I paid, you know, $650 for that was going to do some particular thing. I get a lot of those just simply to evaluate them, knowing that it's not something I'm going to try to do personally at all, but I still consider it money well spent just to be more educated about it. I mean, if you're going to buy a house, you want to buy your first piece of real estate. If you go out here and the first open house you come to, you walk in, make an offer, they take it and you own a house, chances are you didn't get a great deal. But if you go out here and you look at 100 pieces of property, you make offers on 10. Well, let me me use another example. I'm a car guy, as you know. I have purchased hundreds of cars over the years. I love the process in every way. So I'll go to an auction, which I've done a lot. There are repo auctions right here in Nashville that I can go to. You don't need to be a dealer or anything. You just show up with cash money ready to buy or ready to pay. Cars come through. You have about 10 seconds to make a decision. Boom, I buy one. Okay. Never drove it. Never checked it out. You can't do that. But so here's one. I buy three. Let's say I buy three cars. 
I've invested a total of $2,000 in those. Well, I bought one for 800 bucks, but on the way home, I realized the transmission's out. Oh, bummer. Man, there's a car. I bought it for 800 bucks. If it's ready to go, it's really worth $2,500 easily, but the transmission's out. Okay, so I have to spend 500 bucks to fix the transmission. I'm still okay, even though it's a disappointment to get a car that needs that kind of a major, major work. That's the way I view it. At the end of the day, did I take those three cars and come out okay, even if I lost money on one, but made money on two? You have to look at business ideas the same way. See it as an educational process. Don't expect to knock it out of the park on the first idea. Okay, let me move on. Um, Karen says, I'm, I'm looking at the time here and looking at my questions. I'm going to move quickly. Karen says, you've always encouraged people to brainstorm ideas and developing multiple streams of income. Most of the ideas I think I have require a computer, a printer, and internet available to me when I want to work on building the business. Would you recommend someone to take on more debt to get these things? Hard to depend on public library for this. Karen, I agree. I would never try to develop ideas that were that required a computer by going to the library it's too cumbersome do should you have that absolutely should you go into debt to get those things absolutely not i mean look at look at what you're talking about a computer a printer and internet access computer and printer jump on craigslist you can probably for 200 bucks get a computer and printer don't go into debt figure out a way to make 200 extra bucks and get that internet access you know it's going to be 20 30 bucks a month to get that yeah i think you ought to have that to be in the game whether you're just looking for a job i think you need at this point a computer a printer and internet access just to live life fully can't imagine being without it we've come too far eliminate other things I mean, you can do without cable tv there's just transfer that to internet access so you get dsl or whatever you need in your particular area to get internet access i can live easily without cable tv but i can't live without internet access if i had to make that choice i would go that direction to me in in my car one of the cars i've got right now does not the air conditioning compressor isn't working well big deal it's a convertible i can pop the top if it gets hot i would not go for two days without the cd player working in a car i drove i would rather not have air conditioning than to be without a cd player because time in the car is valuable time to me where i'm going to be listening to positive inspirational kind of things that are going to increase my levels of success so make the choices chances are you doing things now that are just frivolous expenditures of money if this is really important to you shift your resources so that you do have computer and printer and internet access but no going into debt no no that, that's ridiculous don't need to do that well this comes let's see this comes from guadalupe guadalupe says the more i follow your and dave ramsey's teachings the fewer friends i have <laughs> <laughs> this is a hoot oh my gosh recently my best friend's wife confided to me that she feels intimidated by my new outlook on life and my financial improvements i'm debt free with a good amount of money saved up and i own my own business but others have strayed away from me whoa to me this is pretty easy this pretty well characterizes the friends that you have had up to this point changing your level of success is going to change other people's perception of you there's no question about it 
but you've got to decide, do you want to continue being around friends who do not think big, who do not want to figure out ways to improve their lives, do not want to figure out ways to make more money. I mean, that's pretty much what you've characterized here. If you want to spend the rest of your life around those people, you know, then give up your own big ideas and just be content to live a mediocre life with those kind of friends. Personally, you know, I question calling those people friends. I mean, this is like the black crab story where, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks about this, where you go down on the beach in the morning, you have a bucket and you start pulling in black crabs. Well, you get six or seven in a bucket. They start looking around and one of them figures out, hey, this is not going to end well. I need to get out of here. So he reaches up and gets one foot over the edge of the bucket and is about to pull himself off and just about as he's to tip his weight and go back out guess what somebody in the bucket grabs his leg and pulls him back in that's what you're describing man we all have black crabs around us in our lives but you're going to have to determine if these friends are holding you back yeah it's going to require new friends but you always want to be I mean, it's one of the key characteristics of really successful people is that they're spending time with people who are already performing at the level at which they want to perform. You decide what is the level at which you want to perform and make sure you're spending time around people who are already there. That may look like some new friends. You should be excited about that. You'll find people who are high achievers are pulling you up rather than pulling you down. Time for some new friends. I don't think that's a big sacrifice as you describe it. Dan. Well, this comes from Dan. Dan, do you believe there are personality types that never get 100% clarification on their purpose or calling? Yeah. When, when we talk about the DISC, the DISC profile, dominance, influencing, steadiness, and compliance, people who are high on C are always evaluating. They're always analyzing. So... If you are going to plan to get together after church on Sunday and play volleyball outside, you know, a high C person is likely to say, well, what if it rains? Now, you may see it as a wet blanket, but that person is taking a realistic look at what the weather has been in the last week, what it's likely to be in the coming week, and they're finding the fatal flaw. People like that often find why something won't work before they give it a chance to work. And when I coach people like that, I tell them that in advance. Now, we're going to come up with ideas that fit you well, and you're going to figure out why this won't work before you give it a valid chance. Those kind of people often will second guess their own purpose or calling. They say they're the ones that you're going to hear yes, but 20 times. You know, I think this really fits you well. Yes, but yes, but well, if you recognize your tendency to do that, that's 80% of the solution. Just realize that you're going to have to step out. Even when you don't have all the answers, the lights aren't all green, there's no guarantees, you're still going to have to step out if you're going to go into new territory at all. So recognize that. Hey, just move on from there. Well, let me go with, let me go with one more. Dan, this is Leonard. Um, I have recently purchased a ChemDry franchise. And I have an audio from Leonard, but I'm going to just give the synopsis real quick because I got the got the the verbiage here. He says, I do carpet upholstery cleaning in Memphis area. There's a lot of carpet cleaners along with me. Um, I'm having a really hard time knowing what to do in advertising and marketing. 
difficult time building up customers, want to get your creative ideas on that. Okay, Leonard has a chem dry franchise. Now they do carpet cleaning and they do it without using a lot of water. That's kind of their USP, their unique selling proposition. Good franchise, been around a long time. How do you market that? How do you get a unique niche? How do you build up your clientele? Well, if I were in the carpet cleaning business, I would go to what we call Occam's Razor. Now here's how this works. If I want to, if I write my next book and I want to sell a million copies of my book, I can try to find a million people who will buy one book, or I can find one organization that'll order a million copies. That's Occam's Razor. How do you find the simple solution? So I don't want to just be running all over the Memphis area, 10 miles back and forth to my next job. There's a lot of wasted time, a lot of inefficiency. So I'm going to go to hotels, hospitals, banks, Places where I may get a contract and never have to go look for another customer again. I stay busy 100% of the time just in that one facility. That would be an example of that. Another thing would be to farm a neighborhood, just like real estate agents do. They don't want to have listings, you know, in a 100-mile radius. They want to go into one neighborhood, and they farm that neighborhood. I would encourage you to do that. Years ago, we lived in a neighborhood called Cottonwood here in the Franklin area. There were 438 homes there. One summer when Jared, who was 14 years old at the time, I helped him develop a little bicycle repair business. Well, he didn't drive. He was 14 years old. So I had him farm that neighborhood, 438 homes. He stayed busy all summer long, never had to go outside that community. He could walk to pick up and deliver any bicycle that he worked on. That's the efficiency of working in a neighborhood. So you define a neighborhood with 500 homes, put flyers on their doors, you know, once a month, and you should stay busy just in that one area. Get referrals. A chem dry truck, you'll, people will see it on the side of your van. They'll know that the neighbor's getting it done. That's a great way to promote and advertise in a particular area. I would just work a particular area or a particular office complex or place like a hospital so you get all your work in one place and just work, 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 do the work rather than having to spend a whole lot of inordinate time in your marketing and advertising efforts. Well, we are at the end of our time. My goodness, I was going to add some other things here. But anyway, delight being with you. Hey, check us out at 48days.net, a growing group of people there who are taking the ideas just like we're talking about here, putting legs on it and doing something with those. You can do the same. Hey, this is Dan Miller again. I want you to live fully, love without reserve, laugh readily, work with joy, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. You can do it. Keep me posted on your progress. Have a wonderful week.